Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Katie and Beth, PAs and doctors of medical science who are here to help you get accepted into PA school, get through PA school, and then have a thriving career as a PA. So if you're a pre-PA, a PA student, or a physician assistant, then you are in the right place. We are so happy you are here and so excited for your future. Before we get started on today's exciting episode, we want you to take a deep breath, close your eyes, and imagine the day when you finally and confidently submit your CASPA application, an application that you are super proud of and that sets you apart from the thousands of other applicants. Then imagine the day you open your inbox and you see not one, but two, then three invites to some of your favorite PA programs. Then imagine your interview day. You go into your interview confident in your answers and confident that you are a competitive candidate. You crush your interview and wow your interview panel. Finally, imagine the day you receive the email, the one you have hustled for so hard and for so many years, the email that says, congratulations, you were accepted into PA school. This can be your reality, and our entire mission is to help you get accepted to PA school as quickly and painlessly as possible. Through our years of working at PA programs, reviewing CASPA apps, and interviewing candidates, we saw so many applicants make mistakes that cost them an interview or acceptance into PA school. We don't want this to be you. We will mentor you and guide you through the overwhelm of applying to PA school, creating a competitive application, and nailing your interview so you can finally get accepted. We show you exactly how in our application to acceptance course. Check it out in the show notes. Where will you be in one year if you don't take action? Don't waste your time and money reapplying. Charge forward and go all in on your dream of becoming a PA. You are so close. Don't stop now. Let's get you accepted. Again, check out the application to acceptance course in the show notes. Now on to today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us for Where the White Coats Come Off. Today, we are interviewing Rebecca and Rachel of Meet the PAs podcast based out of Ontario. This is a podcast focusing on Canadian PAs. Welcome, Rebecca and Rachel. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being here. And to get started, tell us a little bit about yourself and then how you two met. So I am a Canadian PA, just Rachel talking. I went to McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, We were the first class of non-military PAs to graduate in Canada. That was 2010. And Becky and I met at a baby group. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Yeah. So were you both PAs already when you guys met? Yeah, we were. Yeah, I my background is from the states. This is Becky speaking. I graduated from Russell Franklin in Chicago, and I moved to Canada in 2010 and started practicing north of Toronto area. And yeah, what Rachel's saying is true. We both had our babies. We were both, you know, that's the new mom shock of how you adjust to everything. And we lived in a small town and. PAs were very new here so when we introduced each other we both kind of started with the what do you do is oh I'm a physician assistant I don't know if you've heard of it before and then the realization that we are both that it's there's like a handful of us in Canada that happened to happen to live just a few blocks from each other was pretty impressive yeah small world five days apart oh (laughs) it is a small world oh my gosh very small world yep Rebecca are you originally from the U.S. then Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm from Minnesota. I trained in Chicago and I moved to Canada for love. Aww. <laughs> That's really sweet. Okay. So uh, this is a good segue into what is the history of the PA profession in Canada? I know, Rachel, you mentioned you were one of the first classes that were non-military. So can you tell us kind of how it came about um, and kind of the evolution of the PA profession in Canada? 
I'm probably going to do it a big disservice because I don't know a lot about the military history. So the military PAs are going to be upset if they hear this. But it started in the military just like it did in the U.S. And then around, I think, 2007, 2008, in Ontario and Manitoba, well, Manitoba's actually had clinical assistance for a long time, which is sort of like a PA role. And then in Ontario, they did a pilot project with international medical graduates as PAs. And that was prior to 20, I think that was just like 2007, 2008. And then they started two PA programs initially, one at University of Manitoba and one at um, McMaster. Those both started in 2010. And that's, and now we have four programs total. So the military okay. program, University of Toronto, University of McMaster, and University of Manitoba all have PA programs running right now. And hopefully, one of the universities in Alberta is going to be running a PA program starting in the next couple of years. That's been the plan for a little while. So yeah, we started as a sort of military and then worked our way through. It's been interesting. Legislation is different from province to province. So mm. in Manitoba, PAs are licensed. In Ontario, they're not. And we can't work in all of our provinces and territories yet. So, yeah, it's it's still a big evolution. Just to add a timeline, military PAs, I, began, I believe, started about 1984. So Canada as a whole. So in 1984 started the military PA civilian clinical assistance, which is essentially a PA, but not certified, but certainly practices in a similar fashion. Um, started in Manitoba, then uh, like just like Rachel said in the early 2000s. And then yeah, 2010 was the first graduating class in Canada. So we are, you know, behind the states in terms of number of years of practice by quite a bit. But I, I do like to give Canada some credit because I think we are ahead of the curve that the United States started on. You know, we are uh, progressing at a faster speed mm -hmm. and rate than how PAs started in the States. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you happen to know how many PAs you have in Canada? Yeah, about, uh, well, according to the official CAPA, the Canadian Association for Physician Assistance, CAPA, I believe there um, eight, eight or 780, about like that is the official number. There are more than that because that number only represents members of CAPA. The vast majority of practicing PAs in Canada are members of CAPA, but there are a handful who are not, particularly converts from the States, are not always members of CAPA. So that number might be slightly underestimated. What would you say, Rachel? Yeah, I think there's around, yeah, practicing PAs, I think, is just under 800. I think total PAs, like retired military PAs, all included, I think is about 850. I know we're sitting under 1,000. So we only graduate between the four programs. I think we, gra we graduate less than 50 students a year. Wow. Oh, really? Wow. No. Let me think. 20, 40, six, so maybe 70 students a year? I think so, like 70 to 80. And the military program, the military PA program is actually dissolving into the civilian programs. Yeah, so, so the cohort sizes are pretty small then for your programs. Um, so I'm curious, Rachel, how did you find out about the PA profession with the, you know, that small numbers and being so new? Well, I took a year off after my undergrad, um, and I knew I wanted to do something in medicine, but I wasn't really sure what. I just needed a break after being in school for so long. And I knew about the PAs in the U.S., and I was like, ah, oh, that'd be perfect. That's what I want to do. But it wasn't sort of an option here, and my aunt actually worked at um, the University of Western in London, Ontario, and they run some of the military PAs through their program. And she messaged me and said, hey, Max, starting a program. I know you're interested, and... I was lucky enough to apply and get in. The timing was literally perfect. So, yeah, I was just luck, I guess. 
a lot of faith race. That took a lot of faith into a, a, some embark on a challenging program in a new profession in this country. I mean, you really have to be a trailblazer when yes. you are from the first graduating class. It was so, a little nerve-wracking when we weren't sure that we were going to get any jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like midway through our second year, we're like, there's nothing. Uh-oh. Yeah. So when I moved here, the headline I, I read was PAs graduate to the unemployment line. That was a very savvy headline <laughs> that was courtesy of a very talented writer. Yeah. Talented writer who was part of my class <laughs> who used to be a journalist. So that was a very. That, that sort of moved the government a little bit faster, I think, than they wanted to move, which was good for us. Wow. Yeah. Listen, we've heard yeah. similar things. Like we talked to some um, PAs that like they were the first class in England. And it was the same thing. You know, no one really knew what to do or how to employ them. And then we talked to some PAs in Africa and it's kind of like, unless you go through the military program, it's hard to get jobs. So it's really interesting. And we just can't imagine like, yeah, I mean, if, if the, the infrastructure isn't there, um, of course, we'll talk to you guys a little bit about how like your health insurance works. But if the infrastructure isn't there, it's like they don't know how or where to employ you. So it's really true what you said, Rebecca, you really do have to be a trailblazer and so good on you guys for just, you know, taking that and being like, hey, because you're the ones that are shaping this profession into what you want it to be. Like you mentioned, it's it's progressing faster than it has in the United States. And so that's you guys like pushing it forward, being like, we are qualified to do this. We are able to do this. Like we are skilled enough to do this. And in just 10 years, I mean, that's fantastic, at least for the civilian side. Just 10 years. I mean, you guys, where you are now, that's really, really fantastic. So it's they're so lucky to have trailblazers like you guys who are willing to take up the mantle, even though the job market is uncertain and people might know not know exactly what you guys do that's just fantastic because that's what this profession needs we've had some really really great pas here especially in ontario i mean i'm sure there's great pas in every province but this is where i practice so who have really really pushed the pa agenda both and our organization too has really pushed the pa agenda with the government here we've had some really strong leadership in the last particularly in the last few years it's been quite amazing so what specialties do you both work in? And then did you find it difficult to find supervising physicians to hire you on because it was such a new profession? I work in Emerge, like a rural Emerge. We are a very small hospital. We have seven Emerge beds and 10 inpatient beds, no surgical specialties, one vent. Wow. Mm. Hospital. Um, and I've actually been there since I graduated. So I was part of a, like a career start grant. So the government paid my salary for the first couple of years. And so I was lucky that one of the physicians of the physician group I work with was like super pro PAs and sort of did the application and pushed for it. So I was really lucky. And now, I mean, now that everybody's familiar with PAs, it's it's worked out really well. And I'm part of the community there, so I like it a lot. But yeah, it was it was nerve wracking. We were lucky that news article really pushed the government to sort of start that. They had said that they were going to do the new grad funding, but they were really slow on the uptake. So mm -hmm. they really, that really pushed them and that made it a lot easier um, for us to sort of break into the market. Now, actually, there's an excess of jobs compared to PAs, which Excellent. is awesome. Yeah. We okay. are in high demand now. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. I started out, when I moved to Canada, I started out in oncology. And then that, I did both inpatient and outpatient oncology care, both solid tumors and hematologic malignancies. And as my career progressed there, I started to really focus on more end-stage disease entities, and I really enjoyed that. So I ended up switching to um, palliative care position. 
And I did that for a number of years as well. And then I, after my second child, I needed a bit of a break from practice because I really just wanted to be home for a little bit. So I spent a couple years at home, during which time I started the podcast with Rachel, Meet the PAs. We also started so far the only prep course to for the national exam here called PA Helpers. And I also started a medical writing business as well. Uh, so, but I was able to kind of be with the kids while doing all that. So I, it allowed me to be home for a little bit. Then I got into the teaching side of things and I began as an adjunct at McMaster University, which is the university that Rachel graduated from. And that really sparked my interest. I really enjoyed spending time with those students. So I stayed there for about three years. And I am now, about a year ago, I changed to Man- the Manitoba PA program. I'm now full-time faculty there. Excellent. We have something similar. We were, you know, in full-time clinical practice for a while, and then we eventually uh, got to the PA education side of things. And, you know, we loved it too. We loved the students and everything. Sounds like you're you're a true trailblazer. You know, now you've got this podcast, and now you've got this uh, board prep. And so you guys are really, really helping, um, I think, the, the students behind you. Because, I, you know, it took a while for us to get to be a master's program, and so it took a while for us to even get our boards here in this country. It, you know, when it first started, it wasn't anything like it is now. So it just sounds like you guys are really pushing things forward. That's great. Yeah, I mean, we had the U.S. to model off of, too, right? So it's it's helpful to be like, yes, this is how they do it in other places. It's not. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to reinvent the whole wheel. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Take what works and then the things that don't work, you know, make it better. And that's yeah. just so true. So a little bit, I know you said that in some, like, provinces, you're certified and some you're not. So are you able to, like, move from place to place in Canada? I mean, how does that work? Here in the United States, we have to get a different state license, but we are eligible for it how's that work up there yeah you're eligible really manitoba is the only province with a licensing program so if you move to manitoba right now then you need to be licensed otherwise um our certification is like our certification exam is national so it goes from province to province but i think alberta may have a licensing yes it just started, started april, april 1st it started there. of 2021 Oh, wow. Mm, Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can apply for those licenses if you move from province to province. I mean, you have to. Yes. Yeah, okay. It's a requirement. (laughs) But but there really isn't an issue going from province to province in terms of of licensing. I don't really think that's an issue. If if you've taken your exam, you're up to date. You haven't had any, you know, grievances against you. You're you're fine. You just have to go through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We are currently allowed to practice in Ontario, Manitoba, New Brunswick, and Alberta. I think in Rachel uh, in Nova Scotia. Well, there's a pilot project in Nova Scotia. It's a pilot project, yes. And then they'll, and then coming up next should be is anticipated to be British Columbia. We we mm. shall see. Yeah. So our goal is to, of course, be in all territories and provinces. And it's just a it's the long game. We um we're big international um and so. I know that for a while there, like New Zealand is a big country that PAs are kind of becoming thing. It used to be only American PAs were allowed to work in New Zealand, but now, or at least it was like last year or something, they announced that now Canadian PAs as well are able to work overseas in New Zealand, that they've kind of opened it up to them. So have you guys heard about that? Or do you know anything about the kind of international availability of Canadian PAs to be able to work overseas? I have to say it's a point of contention here in Canada, reciprocity, <laughs> the, the word reciprocity, we would all like to have it. So, it, you know, yes, the U.S. made huge strides for this profession in terms of 
getting formal academic training out there, regulation, certification. They really weren't the first country to have an advanced practice provider, and they've been, you know, around for decades prior in many other countries, different places in Africa and India, and, you know, they just go by many different names. But because the U.S. did make it a bit more formal, quite a bit more formal, they are recognized as the model to copy. And because they're the model to copy in Canada, in the UK, and New Zealand, Australia, when it was starting, and even the Netherlands, although they took it to a slightly different, they, they have a slightly different path. Because it, everything was modeled after the states, PAs in the states tend to have reciprocity in most other countries. Mm-hmm whereas most other countries do not have the same courtesy. I would say that it's a hot topic here. Canadian PAs want the same the same practice rights as U.S. PAs. Sure. Yeah, because I don't think any, nobody else, unless they graduate from an ARC-accredited PA program, can practice in the United States. And so we knew that, that I guess we kind of knew some of that. And so obviously Canadian PAs can't practice here. Are there other places where you guys know people? We cannot practice. Other, you have to take you know, the exam. You have, usually you have to, in order to qualify to sit the exam, you have to graduate from one of either, either a U.S. school or one of their uh, country schools. So it is not a common thing okay. for PAs to spend time in other countries here. Although like a rotation or, you know, volunteer time is different. Rachel mm-hmm. spent some time overseas on rotation. Yep. Ooh, okay. Tell us about that. I was actually doing my, an extended family medicine rotation and my supervising physician for that was going to Ghana. So I went <laughs> for two weeks and yeah, we went village to village and just primary care and it was awesome I learned a lot about tropical medicine and primary care when resources are limited and yeah I was really lucky and it was the first yeah we were the first clerkship group so we had a little bit more flexibility than I think they do now just being able to be like hey my supervising physician's going can I go as long as I could afford it I could go so it was awesome (laughs) yeah we imagine you saw a lot more infectious disease I would think even as a primary care over there Yep. Yeah. So a lot of malaria, a lot of, yeah, malaria, worms, intestinal illnesses. Most honestly, the thing that kids wanted most was their ears flushed because it's so dry that their earwax is really dry and their ears get really plugged. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. They were just like, please, please flush my ears. It was really funny. We were doing that a lot. That's actually a perfect segue into how your PA schools are structured. So here we have like a year of didactic and then you go through clinicals for a year, a little bit more. Um, how is your PA school structured? It's the same. We have a year of didactic and then a year of what we call it clerkship, but clinical worker. Yeah, it's a two-year, 24-month program. We get, well, at MAC anyways, they get two weeks in August and two weeks at Christmas and that's it. That's the same at, in Manitoba. And I think University of Toronto is... yeah. About on the same path, um, you know, they all have their minute differences, just like in the States. They mm-hmm. all have, you know, maybe some do more problem-based and maybe some are a little more traditional lecture style, but it's all about the same, same topics, same core principles. When here, is it similar rotation types? Is it like you do family medicine and internal medicine and psych? But you have to have your core rotations and then they're followed by electives. So I would say it's really the same, you know. You have to have internal medicine, you have to have ER, you have to have surgery, you have to have pediatrics, um, and, you know, it's the okay. same course stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you take an exam, you said, and you've got um, a prep course for that. Tell us a little bit about the exam and, and what it's like. It's a four-hour timed multiple-choice exam, and then graded on some strange statistical model. <laughs> yep. Um, 
then yeah, if you pass that, then you are PACC certified. So that's our exam, basically. Yeah, the individual university programs do their own OSCEs, and then the actual certification exam, nationwide certification exam, is multiple choice. Yeah, it's very similar. It's based off of the U.S. model, so multiple choice questions and four hours, about two hundred fifty questions, and you have you know the same categories. What I would say is different is that the U.S. exam does have a heavier percentage of cardiology and respirology, and in Canada, there's a it's a bit more evenly spread across the different top subjects, but it's still the same uh, type of exam. It's very very similar um, and different than the U.K. where they have to do their OSCEs on their own, mm-hmm. whereas the U.S. and Canada, the individual institutions schedule those OSCEs. I think that's a huge advantage that we have. You can work in any specialty. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's all about funding. Yeah. Funding and job opportunities, <laughs> True. <but> yes. <laughs> True. Theoretically work in any specialty. I don't know that there is a PA in every specialty yet, but it's possible. Yeah, well, with only 800 or around that, you know, you guys, again, it's still in its infancy, so it's just fantastic that you've already got PAs working in oncology and then, you know, in rural areas and then, you know, all these things. And you think, hey, there's only 800 of you guys. I mean, we have thousands, <laughs> way more than that. And so I just think it's great that you guys are already branching out to different specialties. Thank you so much for listening to part one with these fabulous Canadian PAs. We'll be back with part two on Friday, so don't miss it. Before you leave, don't forget to join our private podcast Facebook group by clicking the link in the show notes. If you love these episodes, share them with a friend or coworker who is on the PA journey. We want this to be a community of amazing people just like you who are either on their way to PA school, in PA school, or already a PA who love this profession and are advocates of growing this career. So share this podcast or episode with someone who needs it. We'll catch you next time.